going to. It's going to be quite slow there. So one of the big things, you know, what happens in AA, you put yourself in a position to be changed, really. You've always been under a review, or always been under change, but what's important about the change is what's directing the change. Yeah. So we were under a lot of change by the mental state, but that change didn't promote any real growth. Yes? The ball is kind of distracting themselves. Do we what? The ball. Oh, the ball. Oh, Oh, that it's following the ball. So who was I with that? The change. Oh, yeah. So what happens in AA, and this is my humble take on it, is that knowing it or not, you're submitting yourself to change. But this change is going to be directed. It's sort of like if there was a if there was a plant. And uh, the plant was in a very, very small space. So you'd want to direct it so it would get the most sun and everything. So you'd stake it, yeah? You'd have a stake, and then it would grow up that stake, and it would allow it to have what it needs, yeah? So th- there would be change, but now it's directed. And then it be- produces growth. So that's what happens with me, my view of recovery. That way of life is going to put you under change, yet, and the change is going to be directed and it's going to turn into growth. And what's going to direct it isn't the mental state, let's give it a name called the spiritual state. Yeah? And then you can see, the, you'll know the tree by its fruits. Yeah? You'll see, hey, this is what I was getting being led by my head, and now I haven't been in jail. And those are just the basic beginnings. I mean, a lot of the beginning of relief in AA is what's absent in one's life. So I'm not going to jail, I'm not this, I'm not that, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. But then it grows into what you are, yeah? So that growth is, is how it grows and where it grows is based on what's directing the growth. So in a way, you're like almost like a city share car. Yeah, you're going to go where the driver takes you. And so I feel like I was driven by alcoholism and addiction, which is like a parasitical movement. And I've been taken to where it takes a lot of people who get driven by that same driver. And I ended up parking where a lot of people end up parking, which is the street parking spaces of institution jails and death, as just a consequence in my outside life. I ended up there, and a lot, a lot of different people with different ethnicities (laughs) and different financial situations, I saw them in the same parking spaces because there was many, many different cars, but there was one driver, alcohols. Yes, so what happens is we come into recovery, we listen, we go to meetings, which is unbelievable. I mean, it would be great for everyone to have meetings everywhere around the world every day, yeah? They, they don't need to have an excuse they have a disease. It would just be a nice function. It pre- produces an even keelness. You can't get on your own in your own little room, I believe. So the sense of that loving God expressing itself is in a group conscience. So uh, you go to meetings, and you listen to people share what people mostly share about are feelings they have and thoughts and experiences in their life. And after a few months, and I'm sitting there when I came in with a very thick shell of terminal uniqueness. I didn't think anyone thought like I did or felt like I did or did the heinous things that I had done. And um, being in that condition, I was really 
totally at the effect of, or totally at the pleasure of the parasite, because I couldn't hear anything from outside, because I didn't think anyone could understand. Then I listened to people share, and uh, after a few months, <coughs> obviously, I, would, I came to two conclusions. How did these people get my thoughts, or they're not my thoughts? Yeah? How did these people get my feelings, or they're not my feelings? Because how can a feeling be yours if a lot of people has it? Yes, and this is the whole relief of AA, is when you see what's happening to you is driven through personalness, but it is not personal. Yeah? Something is taking you over and is using you for transportation. That's basically what it's doing. Yeah? It's driving you around to where it wants to go. And there's so much evidence in the na- natural world of, of, the, of the nature of parasites. There's a famous one, the first one I ever got introduced to, because I was speaking about alcohols like a parasite for quite a while, and so people would send me a lot of research on parasites in nature. The first one they got sent me was about a mushroom called, it comes from the family Cordyceps. There's a lot of different ones, but it's a big species uh, genre, but it's mushroom called Cordyceps. And this mushroom is confronted with what all parasites and everything here is confronted with. There's a drive or a huge imperative to reproduce, but some of them have huge degrees of difficulty. Right? So <coughs> this cordyceps can't go on Match.com and meet another mushroom. Yeah? It basically has tons of spores, and it's got to hope that the wind's going to blow them in a certain way, or an animal will come by and will stick on them. So it's a pretty, pretty dicey, uh, let's say... Um, way of putting it out there. So they came up with an incredible idea, and what it was is this one species of cordyceps targets ants, this certain kind of ant, mm-hmm. and it burrows into the ant and goes into the brain, it starts sending messages to the brain, and it tells the ant where it wants to go, the mushroom, and the mushroom doesn't want to go where an ant wants to go. It wants to go to, let's say, a, maybe a damp, dark place. So then the ant starts, all the while, if the ant had self-centeredness, all the while it would be saying, I'm going to a dark damn place, but it's not. It's being driven. See? The GPS is going to keep assuming it's you, but it ain't you. You're being driven. Yeah? So now it takes you to the dark damn place, and <laughs> this, <laughs> this passenger, this driver just doesn't get out of the car. It fucking kills the fucking car and uses it as a pot to grow out of it. So the mushroom pops right out of the ant's head and there you go. Now, later on I found out more about the species and it's incredible because the cordyceps, each species of the cordyceps targets a different insect. Some only land on ants, some land on locusts, some, but they do the same thing. They jack into the little binary brain of the ant and they tell the ant where to go. They drive you. Yeah. And so now there's I got information about this one called Toxo is its nickname. It's one of the most uh, prolific parasites. It's in 20% of, of humans, I think, in the brain. It goes everywhere in the body and it just lodges in and it waits. It waits for its opportunity. Yeah. And this one has an incredible degree of difficulty. The only place it can reproduce is in the stomach of a cat. <laughs> That's it. And it finds itself not in the stomach of a cat. 
So it's got a huge, huge, like if a person had this situation, they would kill themselves. There's no fucking way of getting into a stomach of a cat. But the parasite just goes, what it does. So it, it, it appears to be in a, a, a rat or a mouse or some other thing. And so what happens is it jacks into the, the rat, changes its basic primary source code of self-survival, and it says, it replaces it with like a... <laughs> Like a siren going off, every time a cat is seen, it goes, run to the cat. <laughs> so the rat runs right up to the cat and basically says, hey, here's your takeout. You know? The cat eats it, the fucking parasite ends up in the stomach and then reproduces. Yeah. So now, this is only ones that you can see, parasites. <laughs> to me, alcoholism is like an, 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 a non-organic parasite. It's a movement. And it does the exact same thing. It ingratiates itself into the host, and in our case, it convinces the host that we're the parasite. So now we're thinking for the parasite. We're living for the parasite. We're seeing the life from the parasite's point of view. All the while, because in us, it has the perfect prey. Because whatever it does through us, we'll call it us doing it. <laughs> because we have this extreme system called self-centeredness. No matter what fucking comes out of us, we're going to claim to be the one that did it. Yeah? And it's, got a, it's an incredible stubborn code. Even when you've been convinced of the first step of recovery, that you are powerless over alcohol, your head is still mining tons of guilt and shame for what you thought you did when you were under the influence. There's been no forgiveness whatsoever. This is a very source codey thing, yeah? So, and if you don't think you're a host, just look at where you end up. <laughs> it's very similar to a lot of other ones that have been driven by the same driver. So you've got to come. This is what always gets me at recovery meetings. People will go, man, I'm amazed everyone thinks just like I do, feels like I do, and does the same thing. And I'm going, yes, yes, what would that lead to? And they're right at the cliff of realization, and then that, the parasite backs them off, and they just keep thinking, these are my private thoughts, my private feelings, my private life. Yes, very strong, very strong. So that's what I believe is the root of the problem of alcoholism is identification as a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, as presented by your head. Yes? In that condition, you're apt to be able to be controlled and moved very easily. Yeah? And everything that it does through you, it will be disguised because you will call it you. Yeah? So how, and it says it, all right, I'm going to just go into this for a second. Because really, when I'm at any group, the AA is one of my primary audiences. Because I really like to see this become a more uh, available understanding. Only because it's, it allowed, in a sense, something happened to me. And this is really the description of what happened. Which is, it, uh, something happened to me where I got a stabilized relief from alcohol. I mean, stabilized. It's like, I'm not surrendering and unsurrendering, unsurrendered, yes? It's just very clear, very clear. So, I truly believe if you get to the nature of the wrong, there's, there's radical re- relief. If you try to get to the nature of the wrong from the nature of the wrong, you may get some relief, but it won't be radical. That's my humble feeling of this. So, all right. 
So this started to happen to me around ninth or 11 years of Friday, whatever, who knows, it's probably cooked. It's, everything is already in potentiality, everything. It's just a matter of where, where your satellite dish is basically, you know, directed. You'll pick up, you know, it's sort of like, you, you can't blame the radio for the music that it's playing. Yeah? Radios just play music. You can't blame it for the genre that's playing the radio isn't isn't playing as the doer uh, rap. Yes, it's just transmitting it. So it can pick up what other whatever genre is being transmitted, and it can play through it. That's what we're like, right? Yes, we're going to pick up something, and we're going to transmit that something. And yet, with self-centeredness, we're going to keep thinking we're the fucking rapper or we're the fucking this. So. Everything that comes through us will be used to blind us to the idea that we're the one that came through or the we're the one that did it. So the real root is identification itself. All the ways it does it, yeah, are just are just slights of hand, really. So you can get relief from a lot of things that are bothering you, but you won't get relief from the idea that you're the one that's being bothered. bothered yes. That's where the re- real relief lies, in my view. And I'm only saying this basically out of reverse engineering, because it's happened. Yep. So, you will know the problem from the solution. When you get relief from the problem, you'll know exactly what the problem was. You'll see it, very clearly. Yeah. And so when there's a sense, oh, you have no relief and no peace, and suddenly you do, what the peace and relief informs you of, at least if you have a seat assignment to share it with others, what it informs you of is what was seemingly in place that was not allowing that to be obvious. And what I found is it always goes back to the idea of being a someone. Yeah? It always, that always goes back to the sense of I, my, me. That sense is inferring, implying there's a someone there. And that someone there is the obscuring of what's happening. And it gets even worse when that someone there tries to start looking for what it is. It'll be more blind than ever. Because what's looking is what you're looking for. Right now, we're using what's looking to look for. And in some of our own experiences, what's looking, which is fucking insane. (laughs) To use what's looking to look for what's looking. It's just a realization of what's looking. You don't need to look for it, you're looking from it all day. And how long would that take for it to correct? Not at all, because there's no correction necessary. Nothing has happened. You have never not been what you are, ever. And you've never been what you have been taking yourself to be, ever. They're absolutes. It wasn't like you were that, and then you got out of it, and now you're the absolute. No, there was never... There's no relevance in that, yeah, from here, and there's no relevance of this from here. All the relevance of this from here is to reinforce and embellish this. So now you'll become a knower of God by using God to become a bigger you and become a knower of God. So you see it. And when you see what you're not, that can be one of the first unadulterated hits in this life of what you are. You actually get a sense of what you are by seeing what you're not. You get a sense of it. And then now the mind, the big M mind, 
has gotten a taste and then it can just entertain the possibility of that. It's not confined or limited by ends of paragraphs or periods or nothing. It just goes off like an avalanche. And in my case, because of the seat assignment this action figure has, it reverse engineered a lot, so I saw why this, that as soon as it dawns on you, reveals it's always been this way, nothing else has ever freaking happened, why did it seem not to be available in the past, and you'll see exactly why. And it comes to one point, the sense of being the proprietor, the sense of being the owner, the sense of being the doer, the sense of being the seer, the sense of being the hearer, the sense of being the feeler, the sense of being the thinker. That's it. It's an imaginary little phantom that gets blood and flesh and a skeletal system by all the thoughts that are being used to infer it. Now, every one of the feelings that you note during this day, the mental state is using to point to the feeler. Every one of them. It's a subtle little... It's like every donkey of thought, every donkey of feeling, every donkey of action, is, there's a tail being put on it, and the tail points to the imaginary doer, the feeler, the seer, the hearer. You're going to see donkeys of thoughts. You're going to see it. You're going to feel donkeys of feelings. Yeah? But the tail is going to point in a certain way. That's not true. And it'll keep inferring that you're the one. You're the one. And if you're the one, you cannot be the one. If you're the one, then others can't be the one. How much fun would a self have to be a knower of God if everyone was a knower of God? It'd see no value in it. It would not make it special. It wouldn't put it into a superior, lofty condition. It would give a shit. This is why... This is... uh, loosely spoken of as a non-duality in me. But the point is, everything issues forth and leads to non-duality. There can't be a non-duality meeting because there's no... <laughs> you can't meet about non-duality. All you meet about is duality. So we attempt to share like the dualistic structure so that maybe you'll see that it ain't you. And when you see that which you're taking yourself to be, and if the problem is identification as self, if you see that which you're taking to be not to be you, you start having relief. Not for it, not through it, not by it, but from it. And now you're now the horse is in front of the cart. Now it makes sense. Now your longing isn't stretched out in time with huge amounts of frustration and dis- disappointment. The longing stops because you're it. You don't long for it anymore. You're it. You don't wish for it anymore. You're it. You don't pray for it anymore. You're it. You don't work towards it anymore. You're it. The solution is not of time and not of process. It may take time and process to reveal itself to itself, but it's not a product of process and time. So there's a statement in recovery. You guys don't mind, yeah? Riff on it. There's a statement in recovery on page 64, one of my, I think, one of the most important ones. First, before that, one of the most important, the, the unspoken step of AA is quit playing God, in my view, because that's the dilemma. The mental state's playing God. Totally. 
So, all right, it says being convinced, which means to believe with certainty. Yeah, you will never have certainty in one's head. Certain that the the commerce of the head is two sided. It's a two sided coin. No matter how many times you cut the coin, it's still going to be two sided. Whatever can be convinced can be unconvinced. This is a convincing of a believing with certainty. In other words, something has been admitted to your innermost, not to your horizontal story of Paul, but something in somewhere in you. There's something that already knows. Yeah. There it gets revealed. And so being convinced that self, the sense the sense of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. And that sense is produced and reinforced by the claiming of activities like thinking, feeling, and actions. Yes? So the actions always are implying there's an action. This is the bondage of self. That's, it's an activity. It never happened. It never will happen, but it can seem to be happening. Alright, so the activity. So being convinced that self manifested in various ways is what has defeated us. So, if you look at it, we're the us, yeah? And then there's this foreign installment, you can look at it as a parasite, this idea of self. Yeah. So self defeats us in various ways. Yeah. You'll never see the self, because there isn't one, but the self, in a sense, will defeat you in various ways. Yeah. And the us, we're different, yeah? self and us. And it says, all right, if you're convinced of this, we're going to look at its self's manifest, common manifestations in one life, which is the inventory process. So we're now looking at resentments, which are re-feelings. Yeah. Resentment is an expression of self in one's life. Then why the hell do you keep calling its expressions your expressions, unless you're in the act of being identified as it? If Stanley moved through me and I had a substantial sense of being Paul, I wouldn't say Stanley's behavior was my behavior. I would say that's fucking Stanley's behavior, bring it up with him, yes? If Stanley's behavior came through me and I saw it as Stanley and I had an idea that I'm Paul, I would say that's not mine. But what's happening with the manifestations of self in one's life? You keep calling them yours. That's the act of being identified as it. How could you not be? If you're calling something else's expressions as yours, that's the act of being identified as it. That, to me, humbly, is the root of the dilemma. You get around it if you want, and try to understand it in different ways. It doesn't matter. If the big M mind intends to be free, it will be free sooner or later. But I believe, in my own humble take, we've gotten to the exact nature of the wrong. And if the exact nature of the wrong is totally dependent on you, that's there's the solution. So in AA it says we are we're not people with problems, we are a problem. And that's really the relief because if it's identification as self and you see that not to be so, you are the solution. If you're identified as self, you seem to be the problem. If you're not identified, you're the solution. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. And because what you are, your condition isn't produced, it doesn't take any time. It's always available at all times. It's right where you are, no matter where that is, where you are is. And there's no requirement necessary to meet it except the ones you believe, basically. If you think you've got to go through t- ten toll booths, you're going to dream there's ten toll booths to go through. And hopefully, what the service or the value of going through the toll booths will be, will be the realization you don't have to go through any toll booths anymore. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's why failed systems can show you they're failed. So you try a failed system. See, I'm telling you, there's only one category in life I have total, complete confidence that this is a failed system. I can't say it about spiritual practices. I could have done more meditation. I could have gone to India more. I could have spent more time with this and that person. I finances. I can't know. I'm unrequited, quite in love with another person. I can't. I, you know, I could have done a lot better. But drug addiction. I fucking completed the mission completely, a hundred percent. I would take my drug use and compare it to any devotion in any spiritual fucking history book. From Ramana to the Hanuman to anyone. I loved freaking coke. I did anything for it. Shooting up was a fucking religious experience for me. I did, went on 10 day retreats every fucking month. <laughs> I stayed up for 10 days shooting coke. And to talk about, you think 13 hours of meditation is going to taunt your head? Try shooting coke and staying up for 24 hours. You're going to be at the edge of fucking psychic dissolution. Yeah? What happened all these years, nothing fucking happened. You cannot transcend an imaginary place. For you to get out of here, you'd have to really be here. And I don't believe you're really here. I really don't. I think, see this as a dreaming. Totally, completely an activity that you as mind is entertaining. Yeah. And one of the aspects of the dreaming, a real, really nice one in some circles, a real aggravating one in others, is you're going to try to get out of what you're not in. Yeah, and then of course, of course, you can always review your attempts and find fault in you, in most topics like let's say healthing or dieting or you know, you know, doing charitable works. You can always see I did, I could have done more then, but I have one example in this life that I have I'm totally positively assured of. I gave completely all I had. <laughs> 24-7, and I, can, I could not have done any fucking more. And you know what? You cannot transcend an imaginary place. I wanted to get out of here more than I don't care. I matched my wanting to get out of here with anybody. And I'm telling you, you can't get out of an imaginary place. I'm humbly telling you, I gave it all that I had to get to give. Yeah? Now, you can, I don't believe you have to keep it isolated in one topic. I think you can apply the principle to all the other topics. That some, there's something that's fundamentally off if you're trying to get out of here and you haven't seem to get out of here. And then the methodology to try to get out of here that have been around for thousands of years constantly are telling you it may take lifetimes. Lifetime, lifetime, on and on and on and on and on. To me... <coughs> That just makes absolutely no sense. I mean, how much can you purify? When do you hit a point when your purification is suitable to receive that which you already are? If I want to have it, I'm going to have to do a lot of work. But if, I'm, if I am it, there's no work entailed. If I want to have it, it seems impossible. How could I have that? Yeah. But to be it, it's totally, totally, totally no thought or effort. If I, if I objectify what I am and make it a goal, it's going to be a never-ending freaking search. And when it fails, I'll always be the one that's been under the light. I should have done more. I ate that fucking, you know, protein bar. Or, you know, I had a sip of, 
you know, out of the faucet some water. All right, put me back eight years. I'm never going to win. I'm never going to win. And all of it is is going to be obsession with self about uh, getting out of self. I'm not applying this to anyone else. I just know for myself. You know, I gave it all that I got. In spirituality, I didn't give it all I got. Yeah? And so my head would have a field day. You know, you just didn't do enough. But I know that's not so. I know it's not so. You cannot gallop after what you already are. You're galloping after it is actually a great way of hiding it. Really. So I love the statements that res- in books and, su- and people I have heard the bell rung from outside that had already been rung inside. And so when I heard Hawaiian Po say that you cannot use the Buddha to seek the Buddha, Hawaiian Po is an old Zen master from China. You cannot use you cannot use the Buddha to seek the Buddha. You cannot use big M mind to seek mind. You cannot use light to seek light. It just resonates completely. I don't need a commentary by another great master explaining it. I don't need to shout it like a mantra. It sets off an avalanche that's never stopped. What's looking is what you're looking for. That statement purported to have been from St. Francis, did more than all the fucking diligent study of sutras. Because it, it set off an avalanche that was ready to be set off at a drop of a hat. And that avalanche brought a sense feltness of the soness of what was being implied by the statement. Yes? You are what rings when you hear that. You are that produces the resonation, the, the vibration of it. You are that. These are just simple reminders that of something that can never need, never needs reminding. You cannot remember this because you cannot possibly forget what you are. You are it. You're so beyond getting there and then losing it and coming back. You are it. Like Ramana Maharshi said, they said, hey, to, to know God is to be God. You can't apply that to anything else here. You know, I can know math. You know, I can know how to make pancakes. I can know how to make a latte. I can know a lot of fucking things, but I cannot apply that knowing to what I am because I'm being it. I'm being it while I'm trying to know it. And the more I know it doesn't bring a more that I'm being it, and the less I know it doesn't mean I'm less being it. I'm being it, overriding all the knowing and not knowing. That's reliability. That's where the Son of Man can rest its head. It's always available at all times, right where you are. Now, Ramana says this beautiful... I want to read this first. I think this, this thing. If I can find it, of course I won't be able to. All right, here. He's, he's talking of this master's talking about realization. So it says, If realization was something outside you, a way could be shown consistent with the safety of the individual, his capacity, etc. You know, which you, there would be paths. You could produce a process that, let's say if you had an intellect bent, you'd have to produce a Roger knowledge. If you were emotional, you'd bhakti, all this stuff. Yeah? There would be ways to get there. That's what he's saying, yeah? If you hear it? 
if realization was something outside you, a way could be shown consistent with the safety of the individual and, let's say, the tendency of the individual, that would work. Yeah? Then questions such as, is it realizable, and if so, in what time, would also arise. Yeah? You would say, is this, can I get it? And maybe there'd be yes, and they go, well, how much time will it take? All right, then you start going to meetings and doing this, and then you're off on your journey, yeah? if it was outside of yourself. Yeah. But here, always realize, so, so you cannot remain, I'll say, when he talks about self, it's a large self, like everything, everywhere, being, awareness, all that, right? So he goes here. But here, realization is of the self. So, of your nature, that's realization. You know, like in old English, they would say, Jonathan of Kent, so he came from Kent. So realization is of what you are. It's not about what you are, it's of what you are. But here, realization is the self. You cannot remain without the self. The self is always realized, always realized. But you don't recognize the fact. The realization is now obscured by the present world idea. You believe this is real. <laughs> and you believe there's people with separate thoughts and separate feelings and this and that. That's, the, that's it. That, like we have a statement in AA, the acronym of fear, false evidence appearing real. If you look at that, how could false, false evidence appear real unless it appeared real to what's real? We're the reality, and we're taking something that's not real to be real, seemingly. This is what gives breath to this place, is us. There is no separate world from us. The world, the realization is now obscured by the presence. See, it's not removed, it's not gone anywhere. It's obscured because what can obscure reality is reality. If reality believes something has the ability to obscure reality, it will be obscured. <laughs> the world is now seen outside you, and the idea associated with it, all the ideas, obscures your real nature. Simple as that. All this is all that is needed is to overcome the ignorance, and the self stands revealed. That's exactly what these talks are about. If you can see what you're not, that'll be the being of what you are. Yeah? And seeing isn't eyes, you know. It's seeing, you know, getting, racking, understanding, eyeing. Yeah? <laughs> all that is needed is to overcome the ignorance of the. Uh, overcome this ignorance and the self that stands revealed. No special effort is necessary to realize what you are. All efforts are for eliminating the present obscuration of the truth, which once again is absolutely the truth. What's obscuring the truth to the truth is the truth. <laughs> Nothing else could do it. What could obscure the truth from the truth? Other than the truth. <laughs> what could fool the dreaming <laughs> through dreaming other than the dreaming? <laughs> Nothing dreams going to obscure the dreaming unless the dreaming allows it to. Yeah? <laughs> so here he goes on. This is one of the greatest stories. A lady is wearing a necklace around her neck, which sounds like appropriate. Necklace, necklace. So she's good. 
A lady's wearing a necklace around her neck. She forgets it. She forgets the necklace is there. Now, that's not just what... But then, she imagines it is, it is lost, see? The forgetting can't stand on its own. It has to produce other effects, which is now you've imagined you've lost it. Yeah. All right, so... She forgets it, imagines it to be lost, and impulsively looks for it here, there, and everywhere. Not finding it, she asks her friends if they have found it anywhere. Until one kind friend points to her neck and tells her to feel the necklace around the neck. So she does, yeah? This is the trip. The seeker does so and feels happy the the necklace is found. Again, when she meets her other friends, they ask her if her lost necklace was found. She says yes to them, as if it were lost and later recovered. Her happiness on rediscovering it around the neck is the same as if some lost property had been recovered. In fact, she never lost it, (laughs) nor recovered it. And yet she was once miserable. This is the trip. Yet she was once once miserable, and now she is happy. So she was miserable when she imagined she lost it, and then she's happy when she imagines she finds it. This is plain God 101, yeah? But the fact is, it was never lost or found. So the misery doesn't have a cause, because the the story is, the misery was caused by the loss of the necklace, but the necklace hasn't been ever lost. So, the misery doesn't have a cause. We call it in the course of miracles, it's a causeless effect. So, you're dreaming. You're dreaming that you've lost something you're not possibly lose, and the dreaming isn't just one-sided. You'll feel sad that you lost it, and then when you think you found it, you'll feel great. But, but <laughs> you didn't lose it, actually. So, therefore, the happiness that you have when you found it could have probably extended... <coughs> Because you've never lost it. <laughs> so, I want to read that again. It's so good. She says, all right, she says yes to them. As if it were lost and later recovered. Her happiness, this is the real key though. Her happiness on rediscovering it around her neck is the same as if some lost property had been recovered. But is that so? You have to see you're dreaming a dream. In the dream, you kill the bad guy. And you feel great. But in fact, (laughs) did it happen? (laughs) So, in fact, she never lost it nor recovered it, and yet she was once miserable and now she's happy. She also, with the realization of this truth, the truth is, uh, so also with the realization of the truth, the truth is always realized. With the realization, so here, if something dawns on you here, one of the main, I would say, stock downloads is, you'll realize it's always been that way. It erases all the possibility that it wasn't that way, it erases all the future possibility that it won't be that way, it erases it all in one fell swoop. The realization happens and you realize it's always been this way. The realization is now obscured. When the veil is removed... The person feels happy at rediscovering the ever-realized self. But if you are the activity of the veil, and there's a cherishing of you as the veil, are you going to remove it as the veil? Self's not going to get out of self. But if you see you're not that, 
path. Then that which was playing the role of obscuring stops playing the role of obscuring, and now that which was always so is always so. Realization, all right, so the ever-present realization, oh, here, the realization is now obscured. When this veil is removed, the person feels happy, this is it, the person feels happy at rediscovering the ever-realized self. The ever-present realization appears to be a new realization. But is it a new realization? But in the story of Paul, it's much more palatable and tasty if it's a, a new realization. Because that basically is used to emphasize the one who had the realization. But if something's always available, how can you have it? You can only hit a point you are in. When you find something so much more true and more constant than what you take yourself to be, then there's a humbly bowing in the process, and then there's a realization of what you're not, and then what you are is obvious to what you are. It's not looking from what it's not, seemingly, to find it. It's realized that's failed. It's now seen from it. And when it's seen from it, it's, because it's revealed it's always been that way. So, now what should one do to overcome the present ignorance? Be eager to have the true knowledge. As this eagerness, eagerness grows, the wrong knowledge diminishes in strength until it finally disappears. Come to satsang. Entertainment. The only one that needs to be convinced is you. <laughs> really. And you can realizing you're not that you that needs to be convinced, and there's no time spent on convincing. You are it. Yes. If we're looking is what I'm looking for, then what I'm living is what I'm living for. What you're living yes, yeah, you could put it that way, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stop complaining. <laughs> <laughs> well, just see, you're not that which is complaining. You don't have to stop anything. No, you have to start anything. You just see there's no one who's stopping or starting. That's, the, to me, the key. Yeah? We always want to put attention on, let's say, worrying about next week. And then some people say, well, you need to worry about next week because this is a real place. And then other people say, why are you wasting your time worrying about next week? But this type of pointing is about who is it that's worrying about next week? There's no opinion about next week or worrying or not. It's just asking who it is. It's just asking who's the supposed proprietor. Because that's where all the meaning about the worrying is coming from. Not the next week. This is not a next week. It's the meaning that's being given to next week from us. Yeah? So if the meaning that we are, that we possibly flood here, is being directed by the mental state, we're living a life based on a separate thing with other separate things in a world of separation and of time. Yeah, as Jesus says, you're in this world, but you're not of this world. The idea of being directed is just that. If the mental state's directing the meaning to things, it's going to give things a sense of reality. If spirit directs the meaning, the spaciousness of this becomes the foreground and the things become the background. You're more, you're more engaged in the context than the content. Instead of being totally absorbed in the content at the expense of the context. 
it's dispersed, it's relaxed awareness, it's not focused awareness. It's not, you're not focusing on fucking anything. There's just an awareness of being on. You're aware that you're conscious. Yeah? You're not trying to be conscious of being aware. You're aware of being conscious. The consciousness, the noting of consciousness infers the awareness of that you are. So that's it. It's a humble little invitation. So it's not so much realizing, but remembering. It's not remembering either, because that means something wasn't here to be remembered. That which is always here doesn't need remembering. Whatever path you're on, this will illuminate it. This is not about replacing paths. If you, that's your seat assignment, that's where you're going to do. Mm-hmm. But at least you'll see that you're the bringer of the light instead of being the seeker of it. It's much better. In a way it works better. Yeah? Then your master will be illuminated more than ever. And you may think it's her or him, but it's really you. <laughs> Mind is open. I mean, I go to... I do talk. I remember Toronto was a trip. I'm going to cut this off. I do this personal stuff.